a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is then a sanctification, is a daily drowning of the flesh and, the, and a daily rising again of the new man to life. And that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin, and then the gospel comes and, and forgives our sins, and, and, and by that the new man rises daily to life. The point is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I, I wonder if the gospel was preached in that gray old church. I wonder if the sacraments were rightly administered. Because if it was, that's the point. I wonder if those gray old people needed the forgiveness of sins. It's like putting Vaseline in your eyes before reading the New Testament to be a dispensation. Because <laughs> you can't tell anyway what's up and down. So. You're just trying to get on the Facebook quote page. You know it. Welcome to Table Talk Radio and a Merry Christmas from Table Talk hey! Radio. And uh, we, we have this, a special uh, Christmas-themed show in store for you. First, uh, we're going to respond to our our email that deals with incarnation. And then uh, we're going to be playing Table Talk Jeopardy for the rest of the show. Uh, the category that I have for Pastor Wolf Miller is uh, Christological Heresies. Nice. And my category for you is Texts of the Incarnation. All right. So can't get much more Christmassy than that. Um, other than, you know, having like maybe Santa right here in the studio having a, a line for kids. Um, if Santa was in the studio, he'd be slapping you. <laughs> <laughs> you want to explain you know what story? you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, because uh, St. Nicholas of Myra was apparently, the, 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 the tradition says he was at the... Uh, 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 Council of Nicaea, it was 325, and Arius was there arguing like a Jehovah Witness that Jesus isn't God, and and uh, and St. Nick stood up and slapped him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might... Uh, so, oh, wait, so you, you, so you don't know, tempt me, I'm going to go St. Nick on you. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> oh, no, he was jolly. He had, you know, rosy red cheeks and ate cookies all the time. Don't you know? Ho, 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 slap! <laughs> <laughs> so you obviously know about that Christological heresy. I might need to change some of my answers here. That's not good. Oh man. I I, I didn't want you to get any points, so I, I just made up some Christological heresies. Um <laughs> right here. So Evanism. <laughs> right. Okay. Um uh I guess we should get started with the buzzwords. Why don't you go first? Okay, my buzzword for you, brought to you today by our Calvinist friends at Theopedia. <laughs> <laughs> Epicureanism. I should double-check that they're Calvinists. I'm pretty sure they are. If it's not a Lutheran on the Internet, it's a Calvinist, you know. I mean, oh, I should say, you can tell but an Arminian and a Calvinist because the Calvinist prefers clean lines on their blog, etc., and the Armenian is not is more free flow, and they're more kind of hippie style blogs. So you can tell by the by the the style of blog if it's a Calvinist or you're an kidding. Oh no, you can you, for sure. 
right. I we should do this thing where you just click on a on a blog on a theological blog and you see. And now, so the Steopedi has really clean lines. So I just I really assume from that that it's an <laughs> that's a Calvinist sort of thing. Uh, they like everything just so you see. Anyway, Epicureanism. That's my buzzword for you. Uh, Epicureanism was an atom atomistic and naturalistic approach to life promoted by its founder Epicurus, who lived from 341 to 270. It was a form of hedonism. The Epicureans believed that pleasure is the beginning and end of a happy life, that there were two levels of pleasure. There were satisfaction desires, uh, that's physical desires, and then there were deeper pleasures such as friendship that occur when satisfaction desires were met. The uh, Epicureans, this is you see this phrase in the scripture, it's Epicurean. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. That's Epicureanism. Nice. I was just trying to look at the Wikipedia stuff to see if they have... They have a statement of faith on here. We could play uh, Name the Theological Perspective of Theopedia. <laughs> just just hit, the, hit the button on election, and you'll be able to see. <laughs> or does it use the word sovereignty? Oh, you got it right here. Okay. All Theopedia content shall be consistent with the Cambridge Declaration of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, the Together for Gospel Statement, and Calvinism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Calvinism. Don't forget about that. <laughs> in as much as this refers to the five points of Calvinism and the sovereignty of God in salvation, we affirm it. What did I make a prophetic statement the other day that just uh, uh, you couldn't believe? And now it's happened again. Oh, that we were talking about a guy, and I said, I bet his dad is an elder of the church. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, how does he even know this stuff? And now, <laughs> I wasn't really all that impressed. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving yourself too sure. much credit. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> all right, my uh, theological buzzword for you that I also got from uh, the, the, the hit Calvinist site, Theopedia. Uh, it's a buzz phrase. Gap I know they're, they're, they're going to, we're going to crash their uh, server. You know, all know. our listeners are rushing to Theopedia. Oh, you know? I know it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> gap theory. Gap theory. You know what that is? I think this is uh, this is the idea that between Genesis one one and Genesis one two, there's a billion years or whatever. You got it. Yeah. So this is this is a way that we, uh, not we, but uh, how some try to reconcile the theory of evolution with the clear teachings of of uh, Genesis 1, that uh, the earth was created and, and all the universe and everything was created in six literal days. And uh, they say, wait a minute, this doesn't fit. So they try to interpret uh, to be a, a big gap between between the days of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Um, the problems with this is that, uh, you know, there's certain things that uh, depend on, on other things. So uh, you have plants before it would have uh, the sun. And uh, you, you'd wonder how the plants could survive for you know, billions of years um, in between, you know, if, if there's billions of years between these days. Um, also, people like to try and, and take the uh, the Hebrew word yom to, to be a, not a 24-hour a day or, or, you know, a day span, but to make it as a, a, a long period of time. So each each day is referring to, you know, a million years or something like that. Uh, the problem, and, and the word you know, yom in Hebrew can refer to a period of time. Like we we, we use this language in English too. Uh, you know, the the days of dead orthodoxy. You know, the day of you know something like that. That we that, that we uh, use the word day to, to talk about a time. But uh, always in the Old Testament, whenever the word yom is used with a number, then it is referring to. Uh, a, a literal day. So, I mean, and that's true for English too, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't say uh, in the 
in the, uh, the the five days of, of Orthodox, I mean, whenever you attach a number with day, it's meaning a literal day. So right. that's true in Hebrew as well. True. Right. All right. So, so gap theory's wrong, you're telling me. So what we can do is just uh, believe what the Bible says. <laughs> that's always an option. Just throw <laughs> just throw that in the mix for consideration. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so you have this email. Do you have it up? Do you want to read this uh, email? I got it here in front of me. I'll read it here for the first time. Hey, guys. <laughs> just a little hint there. Adam. <laughs> it's your Calvinist friend from South Carolina again. Still haven't missed an episode. Oh, God bless you. This guy must be, you know, <laughs> some, some, poor Calvinist, you know. I, I have Sometimes I have trouble with the Calvinist, and this is why, because you know how it is in your family. Calvinists are like our theological cousins. And it's sometimes <laughs> uncomfortable territory because if you know how it is with your parents. I mean, you can make fun of your parents, but nobody else better make fun of your parents, right? right. You can make fun of your brother and sister and be mean to them, but nobody else better be mean to them. But what about your cousins? Can you make fun of your cousins? <laughs> and can and, and are you put up with it when other people make fun of your cousins? I guess if your cousins are Calvinists, then you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Just know, dear Calvinist listener, that uh, well, listeners. I guess we have two Calvinist listeners mm-hmm. that uh, that we love you like a cousin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still haven't missed an episode. I guess there just aren't enough Calvinist blogs out there to keep me occupied. Oh, there are. <laughs> you just haven't found them all yet. Incredibly. Have, have you I seen mean, Theopedia? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, I almost wrote a few weeks ago because the Calvinist strawmen you were setting up were getting a little outrageous. Calvinists are historians. Come on. Read the Westminster Confession, Chapter 8, Article 2. Do you have that out, by the way? I do. It's right here. Uh, The Son of God is the second person of the Trinity, being very and eternal God, of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature, with all the essential properties and common infirmaries thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, in the womb of the Virgin Mary, of her substance... So that, uh, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion. Which person is very God, very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man? Yeah, that sounds nice. Yep. The problem, the problem with the Calvinism business and the Storian business. This is a little side note here. Is it's not in their it's not in their doctrine of the incarnation. It's in their doctrine of the Lord's Supper, mm. where we see um, the relationship between the two natures now as Jesus sits in glory. Yeah, I was going to uh, say I think you repented of that statement, but you qualified it. Oh, I had a qualified repentance. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that uh, what you said in the air that that uh, Calvinists are not an historian, as you just said in their uh, Christology. But uh, insofar as their what is that um, sound? This is our bump music on the way out. Oh, Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Remember you'll... when Cantor Resch was on and you had some really hip bumper music and he goes, "What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. You can uh, check that out on the website table.org and listen. I think it was in the uh, beginning of the fourth segment. We played a bump and he's like, "What's that?" We'll be back right back on Table Talk Radio.
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Christian novelist and Lutheran seminarian T. Emmett Bramwell discussing his new book, The Gift and the Defender. The Gift and the Defender is speculative fiction. So it deals with fantasy, it has some science fiction in there, as well as real-world applications. What it is is it's, a, it's kind of a modern-day take on the inkling capturing of faith in fiction. Because we have two parallel stories in the, in the book. The Gift is dealing with Adam Malloy, our primary protagonist. And he's, he's the one that takes the reader from this world that we're used to and we're, we know about and kind of merges him into the uh, more fantasy science fiction world. So he's endowed with this gift, and this is how the story develops. The Defender, on the other hand, um, deals with our other protagonist, Michaelis. And he actually is a defender, so it's a title role. And so we have The Gift, uh, which reflects Adam's storyline, and The Defender, um, dealing with Michaelis. The Gift and The Defender is available for our listeners for 25% off until Christmas on our website, tabletalkradio.org, or at tmitbramwell.com. Again, 25% off until Christmas, and the proceeds go to support Table Talk Radio. Welcome back is that to Table a song Talk. That, fa- is that song is supposed to go? Is that like what happens when you give a Red Bull to the choir? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to sing really slow? Sing. Yeah. We no, well. sing. You can't. You can't make it happy. Look, don't. Haven't we done this? Been over this enough? If you sing too fast, it does, you come to the. You, it it. It comes awfully close to being praise songish. <laughs> now sing we now rejoice. <laughs> I, by the way, when I was uh, selecting hymns for when I come to your church uh, in yeah. Advent, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I wasn't worried about picking a bad hymn because I know your philosophy of picking hymns there. That if uh, if if they're complaining about the hymns, they won't complain about the preaching. So that's true. I, I took you... that upon myself and. That's Although a little think... free nugget for all you preachers out there. <laughs> the worse the hymn sounds, the better the sermon is. <laughs> oh, all right, we... what, you got to really lower expectations. That's what you, the lower the expectations, the less often you're disappointed. Although you that's should the, know, you should know the same that same as this: no brains, no headaches. <laughs> that every seminarian, I think you should know, this, every vicar and every seminarian is a great preacher in the eyes of the of the you know, ladies of the church. Oh, uh, fantastic! Sermon. How has that happened? But but it's when but it, just that you know everybody's kind of, oh what a how wonderful a seminarian is preaching at that, the church. He's so cute. Yeah, look um, at how cute but, he but is, and the words are coming out of you talking full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's when you're a pastor, he's like, oh, this is terrible. This uh, is no better. I gotta listen to this guy for 20 more years. <laughs> All Give right. him some more vacation time. <laughs> we've uh, we've. Seen We've successfully made it through an entire segment of Table Talk Radio without being able to read a complete email. Oh, okay. Here we're keep. All right. I'm. I'm. Uh, where was I here? Right uh, after the Westminster you res- Confession. Oh, yeah. You responded to some email because we got some. The Calvinists, you know, they're on. They're on top of this thing. So I had to had a qualified repentance apparently, and he. <laughs> so uh, our friend Kyle simmered down. But 
I thought of the whole thing again while I was reading this Calvinist blog. Shock. <laughs> while noting that he, <laughs> the Calvinist fundamentally agrees with the historical repudiation of Lutherans by Calvinists for violating the second commandment by having pictures of baby Jesus. Ha! He goes on to really appreciate Luther's point regarding the incarnation. Now, first of all, the, 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 you, you Calvinists will note that we Lutherans number the commandments differently, and you've made so much hay out of this nonsense <laughs> because we have the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Third commandment, you remember the Sabbath day. Fourth commandment, uh, honor your father, mother, etc. And Calvinist says, oh, look, they took out the commandment for idolatry and making images in the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself any carved images. That's because they want to have crucifixes and pictures in their windows. They're and, idolaters. And pictures of baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> not how to eat out baby Jesus in his golden diapers. Which I have... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think you know. I mean, it would be one thing to depict you know God or you know. But when when you're depicting Jesus, you're you're, you're depicting a man. As Jesus, yeah, Jesus <laughs> is God making himself depictable. <laughs> he depicted himself. So I mean, so, I mean, sakes. the incarnation itself in there as be the violation of the second commandment. Yeah, I know. And if you, now, if you go and you worship the little picture of baby Jesus. Now you might be getting close to breaking the second commandment, but the second commandment is not, it's not about images. Just, just read the Old Testament and see if the Lord happens to command them making images. And it just so happens that he does. <laughs> I mean, there's pictures of pomegranates all over the temple and cherubim and all this sort of crazy stuff. I mean, there would have been images everywhere. This is not, the Lord is not like uh, the Muslims where he says you can only draw in geometric patterns or whatever. He has, the temple is full of images. It's just not, I mean, it, it's like the golden calf sort of thing. Now, one of the things about the golden calf is that the golden calf was not a picture of God. This is these, when we study this stuff in the ancient world, it's the, the Baal rode on top of the bull so that it's the it's the throne of God. And now this is this is the place where God is supposed to be. It's not like they, that they were even making an image of God uh, they were making the image of where God was supposed to be so that he was know he's present. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. How about that, Nice. Thomas? Take that. <laughs> Put that in your pipe, except for Calvinists don't smoke. Put that in your energy drink. Boy, that's depressing. You have, I think you, we've talked about this Calvinist friend that uh, you visit from time to time. Uh, so you don't drink or smoke when you when you hang out with your Calvinist friend. You we go we, early in the morning, oh. sit there at McDonald's, and I think he feels bad because we're eating McDonald's food. He's like, oh, <laughs> this is not healthy enough for me. Anyway, this email continues. Uh, he goes on uh, while he, uh, he he has the historic repudiation of Lutheran by Calvinists. He goes on to really appreciate Lutheran's point regarding the incarnation. Quote, underlying it is a commitment to the idea of God manifest in the flesh to a God who has revealed himself in and through the fragile, finite flesh of the human creature and of making this fragility, this smallness, a central piece of Christian piety. And also, quote, If we are to be rescued and redeemed, we want it to be on our terms, by a Redeemer worthy of us, a great and mighty one, powerful in word and deed, one who strikes instant fear and commands immediate respect. 
It's an insult to us that we should be rescued by one weaker than ourselves, and yet that is the glory of the gospel. That those are that that's marvelous. That I, uh, uh, Kyle says, I thought you might enjoy this article, and us, Kyle, I that those quotes are just beautiful, beautiful. This Calvinist, you know, when they start preaching like Lutherans, <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, Kyle says, thanks. P.S. I wanted, I also wanted uh, to take offense about the comment about arguing with Calvinists being akin to wrestling a greased pig. But then I looked into the mirror and thought, hmm, I guess that's pretty much right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle, appreciate that. Uh, if you want to send us an email, send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Okay, and it's we time might elect for... to read it. Table Talk Jeopardy. Uh, two categories here. We have uh, me for Pastor Wolfmiller is Christological Heresies, and uh, he has Incarnation uh, Bible passages for me, I think. Um, Something like that. We're still working on it. It's okay. still coming together. I will give it to you first then so you can have a little bit more prep time. Don't worry. I, we we got enough to make it happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you want? 100, 200, 500? I want to... Uh, oh, yeah. We start at 100 so that the fake drama builds. That's what you do. I always always ruin it. Okay. Um, and I'm going to... Well, you better not start at 500. When you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to um, go ahead and omit the... The uh, the names of the, of the proponents, Mo- mostly because many of them were the heresies were named after the person. Okay. Um, so anyway, this particular person objected to the use of the term the the term uh, theotakos, which is God bear or. To refer to our Eastern Orthodox listeners there. Uh, Theotokos is, means God bear to refer to Mary as implying that the baby in Mary's womb had one nature, uh, had only one nature, divine nature. That's John Calvin uh, quoting uh, Nestorius. <laughs> <laughs> what is Nestorianism? <laughs> Oh, man. I can't help myself. I see. I don't feel kind of uncomfortable because it's my cousin. You know, it's not my brother. It's my cousin. They just ask for it, these Calvinists. Do you want me to finish reading this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, He proposed the term to be used Christakos or Christ bear to, uh, to better emphasize the unity of the two natures of Christ. Cyril of Alexandria objected, arguing that, that it was essential to maintain that God himself had entered the womb of Mary. Therefore, she was Theotokos, without qualification. Yes. So that's, that's uh, who is Nestorius? I want the heresy. Oh, what is Nestorianism? Correct. 100 points. Correct. <laughs> yes, Nestorius, the separation of the two natures. Look, you Calvinist friends, you got if you you could start calling Jesus, I mean uh, start calling Mary the mother of God. You got to so I got I have not yet seen the Calvinist blog Mary is the mother of God. <laughs> blogspot.com. So, as you Calvinist, that's one of the marks there because uh this the what council I, do you remember what council said, "Hey, we better it's it's early in the 3rd century, we or 4th century, we better start calling Mary, the mother of God, the God-bearer, because it, it was fully, the, the, the human nature of Jesus was fully united to the divine nature in the womb of Mary. They're, they're inseparable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nestorius was condemned at the council in Rome at 430. Yeah. Um, 
And there's a synod, a, a synod of uh, Ephesus held at four th- in 431. So there, there was the, uh, the I think the first Neapolitan synod or something uh, in what 375, where they expanded on the Nicene Creed. I wonder if that something good happened there. All right, we, oh, need, well. we need to have our uh, expert guest for history on the show. Whenever <laughs> I don't know, I, whenever I start dampering in, in history, I'm always sorry. Uh, because I, I, I don't, I don't know this stuff as well as I should. So. Oh, yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of it. Right. Uh, you're, okay. you're just you're qualifying yourself now because you hate this game, Table Talk Jeopardy. <laughs> I I love this game. What are, what are oh, you talking that's what about? I meant. That's what I meant to say. You love it. All right. Well, we, and by uh, love you mean hate. <laughs> <laughs> we probably have a, just enough time to uh, get the question out. So I'll take 100 here. Okay. Uh, this Old Testament prophet prophesied that the Messiah would be born of the Virgin. Ooh, all right. Um, I'll go ahead and answer that on the other side of the break so I have time to Google it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, I won't. <laughs> I know this, actually, but I'm going to hold the hey, listeners hey, hey. in suspense uh, during this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, uh, the Christmas edition of the show. And we're going to continue playing Table Talk Jeopardy right after this commercial break. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds began to be, He is Alpha and Omega, He the source, the ending He. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Before we get back into Table Talk Jeopardy, I want to tell you one more time about this book, The Gift and the Defender by T. Emmett Bramwell. Uh, there's one more week for you to uh, get this for at the, at the discount price of 25% off on our website at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, Ty is a, uh, a Lutheran seminarian, and he's he's uh, working on this, uh, writing books of, of Christian fiction, uh, a place that which we need much more of, especially from the Lutheran perspective. So he uh, has produced this book, The Gift and the Defender, uh, by team at Bramwell. It's available on our website this week. Uh, for 25% off, tabletalkradio.org. Right. Okay, so right now, uh, simultaneously, you're writing Table Talk Jeopardy questions, writing a, 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 a sermon for Advent service in an hour, uh, and then you're also supposed to be reading this book, Gifts and Defender. It's like, uh, I was also you? perusing our Facebook fan page. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, give me that question again. Uh, oh, um, this prophet prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Who is the prophet Isaiah? Hey! 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 hey. That, that was 500, right? Uh, no, 100. Oh, okay, 100. All right, do you have the reference in front of you? Yeah, oh yeah, Isaiah 7, here it is. Isaiah 7. Uh, uh, Ahaz says, hey, I'm not going to ask a sign to test the Lord. And then Isaiah says, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing that you weary men. Will you weary God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Verse 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Yes, yes. So prophecy works. All right. Uh, <laughs> prophecy works. A, there's a T-shirt. Prophecy works. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take uh, – how many segments do we have? Is this our last segment or no. do we have two more? <laughs> <laughs> it's all just kind of blurring together for you now. It is. It is. Uh, this is okay. the third segment. So we don't have to be in a huge rush. I still want to get some more points. So I'm going to take uh, incarn- Heresies of the Incarnation for 200 points, please. 200. Okay, here we go. Uh, this teaching that the Lord's humanity was totally absorbed by his divinity, He, the, this person who t- taught this, vigorously repudiated the suggestion of the two natures that the incarnate as unscriptural and contrary to the teachings of the fathers, he affirmed that the incarnate had two natures before the incarnation and one after. Oh, I see. <clears throat> um, um, uh, oh, goodness. Uh, uh, you, um, what is the guy's name? Uh, see, I, uh, it starts with an E. I can only think of... Uh, 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 who is that church historian that I call Eutychius? Eusebius. Uh, Eusebius. Oh yeah. So Eutychius. That's that's the. This is Eutychianism. At least this is there's. But I think there's a number of false teachers that kind of did the same thing. But I, I know at least of Eutychius who did the opposite of Nestorius. So while Nestorius separated the two natures, um, the, uh, Eutychius blurred them together. Um, so. This is at least Eutychianism, but I think, like I said, there was a couple. So this could, I think this could be describing others. But I'm going to go with the answer, what is Eutychianism? That is correct. I, I had Eutychius and uh, Epicurius oh, yeah. and Eusebius all in my mind. <laughs> right. You got it, though. Uh, another oh, 200 points. Um yeah, three hundred uh, points. This is, see the, the, now the interesting thing, uh, dear listener, is that the the first thousand years of church history was marked by the all these fights about Jesus, and and the, the, it's kind of nice because the, the the people were forced to think about this stuff. I mean, they were thinking about the Trinity, three uh, three persons and one God. They were thinking about the incarnation, two natures, one person, and how these related to one another, and all of this. And the Lutherans were too. I mean, there was. Uh, in fact, it was um, it was Martin Chemnitz who really made some advances in Christology. He gave some names to some categories of thinking that hadn't been around before. And this, but it, we don't even we don't even think about this stuff anymore. We're just ah oh, yeah oh whatever. And so you have all these you have all these Baptists converting and becoming Mormons because it's like well hey uh, they good they do good works to prove our salvation and they do more good works to prove their salvation. So let's just go join them. No, never mind that they don't believe that Jesus is God or whatever. This is sort of, um, it's kind of, um, it's like a, uh, it's like when a disease goes away, you know, and so your body loses the ability to fight it, and then when it comes back, it just, it just ravages the population because your your body has lost the immunity to it. That's what's happening with the Christological and, and Trinitarian heresies today. So this is good stuff to review. Right. It's especially good to review for my TI. That means theological interview. That's where Evan finds out that he's got to take seminary for another year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At least we're gonna do your t- three more. Are we gonna do your TI? T- we're gonna record it and have it live on air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have call-in questions. The <laughs> professor's <laughs> phone, office phone is ringing. Right, ask him this. <laughs> <laughs>
no, they'll probably just say, you know, Evan, why don't you just, you know, try it again. Just all of seminary, just try it again. <laughs> Start over. Hit the reset button. <laughs> you know, unplug the computer and plug it back in. That would be fine, by the way. You know, you always do this. You get to the end of, uh, I did this, I remember doing this in college. You get to the end of college, like, man, now I know more. I could get a lot more out of it. If I just redid everything, I'd get a lot more. <laughs> So I'd be I'd actually be in favor of doing that if someone would pick up the tab on the tuition bill for me. Oh yeah. What about it? So we have our Table Talk Radio uh what is it called? The Jubilee Reformation Jubilee Club? <laughs> Reformation what is Glee it? Club. Oh yeah, the Reformation <laughs> Glee Club. We have, so we have you can be a theological bull rider or you can be a radio clown or <laughs> Are you pitting those two against each other? Oh yeah. Those are just those are just different but, levels. I mean, you can you can be a, an iron listener too. Oh yeah, the iron listener. <laughs> That's <laughs> the fortitude. Yeah, I've got the intestinal fortitude of an iron listener. <laughs> so you can uh, in a, uh, th- th- uh thank you by the way for all of our supporters uh who do support that. And if you're not if you're interested, you got an extra 5 bucks each month or something laying around, you can join our uh, Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, if you want to be a uh, radio clown, it's a, it's a mere two dollars a month, which uh, <laughs> it's really more trouble than it's worth, isn't it? <laughs> Not for us. I mean, we appreciate it, but uh, someone's like, Too, I, "Where's this? Where's the option for giving them a nickel each month?" That's what they deserve. <laughs> yeah. We, All right, ready for uh, your next one here? I'm ready. All right. Um, this is the Latin name. Of the famous verse in Genesis 3.15, where the Lord promises that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the devil. Wonderful. I have to do Latin in this game now, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to go with the uh, Proto-Euangelion, uh, the first gospel. That's right, except for so you what have to is, in the form of a what question. Is, what is Proto-Euangelion? Uh, yes, that's right. The Proto-Evangelion. Yeah, this is this is really fascinating. And as you have talked about on the show, uh, one, one of the amazing things is... is uh, Let me pull that up so I can just have it in front of me. But that uh, God is, is speaking... I mean, the, the, the funny thing is that the, the first gospel is spoken to whom? The devil? I love it. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, and But he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, be, uh, between your offspring and her offspring. Uh, he shall, he shall bruise your head, and and you will bruise, you shall bruise his heel. Uh, and as you pointed out before on the show, that the enmity, what should be between us and God, because we're the ones who sin against God, we're the ones who disobeyed God when He said that we should not take from the uh, for, forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we did that, and so our enmity is with, between us and God. But what yeah, that's right. what God does is He puts the image between uh, the devil and the the and the woman's seed. Yeah, it's it's like a, you know when there's a school and you divide up and you're gonna do a schoolyard pick for teams, you know, and and there's two captains and there's one captain and you and he's huge, big, huge, muscular guy. You know he's gonna win, and then there's this other guy and you know that whoever's on his team is gonna lose. And so there so there's Adam and Eve, and the Lord says, okay, there's gonna be a fight here. And he's going to choose who's going to be on his team and who's he, who's he going to fight against. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. So in other words, the Lord says, Adam, Eve, you're on my team. And you could just say, that, yes! <laughs> we're, we're going to be on the winning team. Well, that's exactly right. That, that's beautiful. You, that's... If you, if, if we, to understand the Old Testament, we have to understand this verse, Genesis 3.15. Right. Now that's kind of like when you were uh, growing up, you were always the last one to get picked, right? For the games? Ah, that's right. That's right. 
<laughs> so I, I'm like every you become a pastor, so I can finally be I have to be cool. <laughs> That's what most people do. Oh yeah, I we should have been a youth minister. <laughs> Table Talk Radio. <laughs> One more segment of Table Talk Jeopardy coming up Throw right after this break. Don't go away. More Table Talk Radio, right after this break from our sponsors. Christian novelist and Lutheran seminarian T. Emmett Bramwell talking about the Christian themes found in his new book, The Gift and the Defender. One of the major themes that I think is is particularly Lutheran, um, with the two different storylines we have, we have Adam and Michaelis. We have an old Adam, which is a pretty blunt uh, reference there. But we also have Michaelis' character. Michaelis represents the new Christ. And we pit these two against each other, and we, we see two different sides of ourself. So uh, both characters actually a reflection of the Christian man. The Gift and the Defender by T. Emmett Bramwell is available for Table Talk Radio listeners for 25% off until Christmas. To order, just go to the homepage of tabletalkradio.org or visit temmettbramwell.com. The Gift and the Defender by T. Emmett Bramwell. All proceeds go to help support Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Table Talk Jeopardy. Yeah. And uh, the score is tied up, 300 oh, to 300. Um, so I yep. guess it's uh, your turn to pick a, uh, a, a the next question. on uh, Christological heresies yeah. for 300, please, Evan. All right. This heresy is the view that Jesus was not fully divine, although still related to God as a son to a father. The fundamental premise of this person's system is the affirmation of the absolute unique uniqueness and transcendence of God, the unoriginate source of all reality. Since God is unique, transcendent, and indivisible, the being or essence, or the ousia, of the Godhead cannot be shared or communicated. For God to impart his substance to some other being, however exalted, would imply that he is divisible and subject to change, which is inconceivable. Moreover, if any other being were to participate in the divine nature in any valid sense, there would result a duality of divine beings, where the Godhead is by definition unique. Therefore, Whatever else exists must have come into existence, not by any communication of God's being, but by an act of creation on his part. That is, must have been called into existence out of nothing. Um, uh, so we could start by saying that that's uh, Mohammedism. <laughs> <laughs> Islam. Yeah. Uh, stands. I mean, that's the logic behind it. In fact, that's the logic behind Judaism also. Whatever, do, say whatever you can, you know, whatever kind of smarty pants thing you can to make sure that Jesus isn't God. 
but the the key, I think, the giveaway for this for Christological heresy that appeared in the early church is going to be the first line that you said that that the relationship between Jesus and the and uh, the Father is one of Father and Son and not one of co-equal. They don't have the same essence. Right. This is what um this is what the Nicene Creed is fighting against when it says, "Very God of Very God, being of the same substance with the Father." The same, the homoousius, same substance, not the homoousius, the like substance. It's the same substance with the Father. Um, the, the name that's coming to mind here is Apollinarianism. Uh, is that what that is? What is Apollinarianism? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. This is actually Arianism. Well, I guess I should have known that. That was What's Apollinarianism? Is that the adoptionistic controversy? Is that um no, I have that here though. That's number five five hundred. Maybe. I don't know. I'm gonna have to mix it up now. Well, it's the same deal. I mean, Arianism and uh, I mean, this is all, really you know. Here's the problem: is that the, it's all it's all the same stuff. It's really it's whatever you know. Figure out whatever rules you need to bend to make sure that Jesus isn't God. It's the same to Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons and the Arians and and we and we have you know we have a practical Arianism uh, in the church today. It's really quite terrible uh, where we. we <laughs> This, this dispensational idea that you have the Old Testament's the Father, the New, the, the Gospels are Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit is at work, and and you, uh, uh, and, and or or even the idea that um, uh, that Jesus needs our help to save us, it's just it's a denial of his divinity. It's terrible. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the basic premise here is that 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 God was. Um, or excuse me, Jesus was God's first creation. So, um, and, and and you know they use uh, various passages to prove this, um, or to to try and prove this. Um, but you know, it, you know, arguing with a, someone like a Jehovah's Witness is just like uh, you know slamming your head in the door. You know, I just have trained responses or, that and, listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna take uh, whatever Bible passages for 300, please. Passages of the Incarnation for 300. This uh, chapter of the Bible explains both of the names that our Lord has, Jesus and Emmanuel. A passage of the Bible that explains this both This chapter of, them. of the Bible explains oh, the meaning of both of our Lord's names, Jesus and Emmanuel. Um... I don't know if I can name the chapter. I'm thinking, though, this is where uh, the angel Gabriel talks to Mary. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no. Hmm. Hmm. Close, well, I, though. I mean, that's the same idea. I certainly don't know the chapter, to be sure, so I'm, I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to pass on this one. <laughs> what? Oh, you're, just, you're not even going to guess? Uh well, um, it's not going to be like chapter 17 of one of the Gospels. Okay, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to I'm going to think it's in Matthew. I'm going to say Matthew chapter two. Oh, very close, Matthew chapter one. Ah. This is when the angel is talking to Joseph. 
you will bring forth uh, a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. Jesus, it's a Hebrew, the Lord saves. Oh, okay. He will save his people from their sins. So right. all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Right. Oh, good. Um, hmm. Matthew 1. See, I was thinking... Uh, I wasn't sure if uh, chapter 1 consisted entirely of the genealogy. I was thinking then that would come in chapter 2, but uh, no, uh, it's all in chapter 1. Okay. It's all there. Good to know. Um, Yes. So we're still tied at zero now. (laughs) Wait, tied up at 300. We each have 300 points. Uh, See, I always thought that the one exception to the one-way point valve was with Table Talk Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you lose points. <laughs> so we both lost 300 points on that one? Right. That's all right. I'm going to get it all back here with uh, uh, Christological heresies for 400. I can't believe I missed Arianism. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Overthinking it. Okay. Now I'm going to get one that's impossible. 400. This heresy is the view that Jesus was in divine was was in nature divine, eliminating his humanity. Um, it it uh, indicates that the distinctive thesis of uh, see um, okay this heresy uh, <laughs> well I had to cross out all the parts that would give it away so I'm trying yeah, to yeah, read yeah. okay That's, I appreciate that <laughs> uh, the the distinctive thesis of it is that Christ's manhood hence his suffering were unreal. Uh, appearing only to be human. It claimed that Christ only appeared or seemed to be man. Uh-huh. So the, the key word here is this appeared or the seemed, so that the, that the humanity of Jesus was an illusion. And this is uh, what the heresy that we call docetism, from the Greek word dokeo, which means to seem. So the right question, what is docetism? That is correct for 400 hey! points. All right, well done. What so, do with all these points? Yeah, so, so this, one, this terrible sort of thing. I mean, you, you have this kind of back-and-forth sort of business, so G- either Jesus is going to be all God and therefore no man, no humanity, or uh, all uh, man or all creation and therefore not divinity. So that the, you, you kind of have, so, so you have Eutychius taken to the extreme and you get Docetism, and you have Nestorius taken to the extreme and you get Arianism. I mean, it's really kind of... To walk this middle road of Christ being both God and man, fully divine and human, um, this is, uh, this, you know, people are falling off on every side. Right. Okay. Uh, we have about a minute or two minutes left, so. Okay. Well, here's a, a, a biblical passage of the Incarnation for 400 for you. Uh, Paul writes uh, to this church saying, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Uh, what is the church at Rome? Oh, very close, just down the street, Galatia. Ah. <laughs> This is Galatians 4.4. 4. When the fullness of time had come, God, this is a beautiful Christmas passage. God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. One of the reasons when we ask the question, why does, why does uh, Jesus have to be true God and true man? Well, he has to be true man so that he can be born 
and he can be born under the law so that he can bear the weight and guilt of our own sin to redeem us so that we might have the adoptions as sons. All right, I'm in the negatives then for 400. Real, real quickly, 400. a daily double. How many do you want to? How many do you want to wager? Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wager uh, 400. All my points. Okay. Uh, this heresy was the view that the person of Jesus, that when the Logos, the perfect divine being, assumed a human body in Jesus, it took the place of his human mind or soul. Um, it assumed a distinction between body, animal soul, and rational soul and mind um, as three distinct elements of man, and they viewed that Christ having a human body and a human soul, but not a human rational soul. Yeah, I can't remember this. Is That's not Apollinarianism, is it? It is. That's the hey! one. <laughs> you wouldn't have got that if you didn't already know that was the answer. <laughs> All right. Yes. Final score. <laughs> pass with 800. I am indebted uh, 400 points. So any listeners who have Table Talk Radio points out there, send them to me. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Where points are like eating Christmas dinner with Arius. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. All right, you have time to write a sermon now? Yeah, I got it covered, but I better get them shaken. Okay, see you.